two, one. Welcome in Husker Extra Podcast. I'm Chris. I'm my cell phone. There's Parker. There's Steve. It's uh, 4.13 p.m. here on a Thursday afternoon in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we just had some breaking news. Uh, Sam Hoiberg, Lincoln Pius 10th standouts, and walk on for the Nebraska basketball team, play for his dad, Fred. Uh, that news came down. I'm waiting to talk to Sam on the phone here, hopefully soon, get his thoughts on the matter. And yeah, the first the first off-season addition for Fred Hoiberg's program happens today in the form of a walk-on. Sam, yeah, if you hear this on the podcast, please call Chris back. Yeah, if you're listening live to the podcast right now, Sam, please call me. That'd be a technological yeah. miracle, but if it's true, please do it. Yep, we would appreciate that. Wife what what do you know about Sam? What do you know about him? Yeah. Good player. Uh, was Lincoln Pius 10th leading scorer this year. Averaged 15 points a game. Um, about four, a little over four rebounds a game. Um, team lost in the first round of the state tournament, Class A state tournament. Millard West hit a hit a shot at the buzzer where they threw like a baseball kick pass, like three quarters of the length of the court, and the kid made a layup uh, to win the game. So, yeah, good player. He, as Sam actually tweeted out a cool picture with his announcement. It was him up on the ladder with with his twin brother Charlie and and Fred after one of Iowa State's Big Twelve tournament titles. And the, the kiddos were little, and Fred's you know swinging the net over his head. So, called it a lifelong dream to play for his dad, and now now he's going to do it. So, congrats to Sam. Congrats to Fred. Congrats to the Hoybergs. That's pretty cool, Baz. Yeah, and, and and you're cooler if I could talk to Sam about it. That'd be oh, cool. It'll happen. Life of a reporter. Come on, Sam. <laughs> um, Sam's first no. big test as a Husker. How fast do you get back to Baz? Yeah, Sam's Sam's probably on the golf course right now, working on his working on his short game. He's a pretty good golfer. He's a good golfer. Really good golfer. Yeah, there's some thought he might play golf collegiately. Um, Is that right? I think all those Hoiberg boys are pretty good golfers. Jack, the oldest one's a good golfer. He had a scholarship offer to South Dakota. Uh, then walked on at Michigan State to play hoops. And Sam and Charlie, the two twins, are both pretty good golfers too. So, what about the old man? Old man can old man can play a little. Got a got a little three quarter swing from the from the couple videos I've seen of Fred swinging a golf club. So there's some athleticism there, obviously. What's a three quarter swing? He takes it back about three quarters. His he doesn't bring it all back. He doesn't go all. He doesn't take it all the way back around. He's about three quarter. But he's long. He's long levered, as as one is wont to say. He's got the yep. long levers, long legs, long arms, so he can generate club head speed without taking it all the way back. So he's all right. As you've been busy now, you got a busy weekend too. Yeah. Uh, got a little baseball starting tomorrow. Um, first home games of the season for the baseball team. First games with fans for the for any Nebraska team since March 11th of last year, uh, which was also the last home baseball game. Uh, they're going to allow 2,700 in. I would assume those will – Tickets will get snatched up pretty quickly. Um, we'll spread them out throughout Haymarket Park on the berms and in the bleachers. So that's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see a game with with more than just parents and, and friends in the stands. That It'll be fun to see a good crowd at a game. And it's an important series for Nebraska, too, because they're third place in the Big Ten right now. They're playing uh, a Minnesota team that's, I believe, 12th or 13th in the conference and has kind of struggled and is pretty young. So chance for Nebraska to, to kind of keep the momentum going from what they built uh, last week in Iowa when they, when they won the last two games of that series and won the season series with Iowa. So, yeah, it's a big weekend for Nebraska taking on Minnesota. Parker, I just want to ask Chris one more question. Does Nebraska have the pitching to, you know, get into the NCAA tournament and do damage? I think they do. Um, I think that was one of maybe one of the big questions um, was what was the pitching going to look like? And the starters have been good, but the bullpen's been really good. 
and that's what you need. You know, if you're going to make a tournament run of any type, whether it's a conference tournament, NCAA tournament, you got to have depth. And Nebraska's got that. Their bullpen ERAs, I believe, top 25, top 50 nationally. Um, they don't give up a lot of runs. They don't walk a lot of guys. So I think they like where they're at with their pitching. If they can swing the bats just a little better, which I think that'll come, then they're going to be in pretty good shape because I think the arms and then the defense behind those arms, Nebraska's second nationally in fielding percentage right now. They've only made two errors all year. So pitching well, and defense take you a long ways. And Nebraska's got those two things right now. Speaking of, uh, speaking of pitching and Nebraska baseball, did you see uh, young Drew Christo? throwing the pill the other night for Alcorn. Holy cow, he's good. Running it up to about 92 against high school. <laughs> high school batters when it's about 48 degrees out. Oh, that'd be little, fun. That'd be step fun, in step in against 93 up in the zone. Yeah. Here's, here's a 5735 pounder and here's 92 and on your hands. Go ahead and make contact with that. Young <laughs> man. Good luck. <laughs> um do, uh, do we start? Oh, there's Baz. There is. Okay, there is. so this is a time. I mean, Baz, you, you'd be interested in this discussion. Young Parker also has quite a big time coming up in his life with the with the advent of spring football. Yes, yes. For the first time ever, Nebraska is going to gather its football team in the spring. They're yeah. going to practice a few times. What a big time! Yeah, it's amazing. It's it's going to be remarkable. <laughs> and then at the end of it. At the end of it, they're going to gather people at Memorial Stadium, and they're going to play a game, and they're going to call it the red-white spring game. Incredible. Parker, thank you I, for that. I, it's, you know, sometimes you cover seminal moments, and you understand that you're just witnessing history, and that's what it feels like right now. That's what it feels like. This is like. one of those times. It's historic. There's a yeah. buzz, I think you would say, around Lincoln. Palpable buzz, buzz, yes. There's certainly a buzz here in the Journal Star offices, I think you'd yeah. say. It's exciting. It is. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. I want I want Parker to approach his job with urgency every day. <laughs> <laughs> the advent of spring ball. With a sense of wonder. Yeah. <laughs> should foster a sense of wonder and a sense of urgency. I have I mean, both in space. Right. Like, like fans are coming back. Like that's fun. Like we're, there's like some light at the end of the tunnel a little bit, right? Like this is what we've been waiting on. So yeah, it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's spring football, but there, there's still something that's going to be kind of exciting at the end of it. Yeah. That, that, that part is cool. It's funny. Cause we were talking, we've been talking this week about how it was expected, I guess, um, that the big 10 was moving toward allowing, um, school individual schools and local health departments to have more control or full control over um, setting attendance that's been a league policy for the past year to not allow any attendance and so we're you know I mean we had sort of knew that it was you know that maybe it was going to happen the council of presidents and chancellors was meeting this week but I think that most of the conversation had been about uh, baseball and, and softball outdoor spring sports and so when word came down from the Big Ten yesterday in the morning, all sports effective immediately, it was like, whoa, this is that this is that was big news. Um, and they included spring football right in the release, which was nice. And, um, you know, that was nice and clear of them to do. Uh, but it was yeah, it was crazy. Like all of a sudden it was just like, oh, fans are coming back like. Right now. Um, <laughs> and and for. Baseball, like Baz said, 2,700. They're going to have 2,400 uh, at Devaney for volleyball, the closing, not this coming weekend, but next weekend uh, for a closing series against Penn State. So 
uh, top five, top five volleyball team at home against Penn state. Only two regular season matches of the year uh, where fans are allowed. Like you'd be more likely to be able to find a straight ticket to the Super Bowl, I think, than to be able to get into that, that volleyball match, maybe not quite that extreme, but um, th those tickets obviously are going to get snapped up by season ticket holders right away. But yeah, SIP, I mean, it is spring football starts Monday. Obviously they're you're talking about 50% or more of Memorial stadium now um, when May 1st rolls around, but it's going to be cool to have fans back at least in some capacity um, at, at sporting events here this spring. Yeah. The volleyball. So people understand it would be, it would, it, you're only getting those tickets if you're a season ticket holder. Yeah. Fact, yes. They're offered, they're only offered to season ticket holders. Correct. And not, and, and they even said in the release that they can't guarantee that all season ticket holders will get to attend one of the two matches. Right. So baseball, it's 2,700. The, the start time for baseball is, I believe, Baz, it's 2 p.m., right? Uh, 1 p.m. tomorrow. Oh, I'm Scott, I, you know, I always have, a, I always have an error. Um, let me, let me double check that. Okay. I mean, you do always have an error, but I'm just going to double check. No, it is always okay, you so are. now let's be – can we uh, erase that error now? Yeah, just, we'll, we'll edit that out. We'll edit that out yeah. um, later on. Yeah. I would like to talk to the official score. Our crack yeah. production team for this podcast will get right on it. Yeah, post-production will take care of that. 2 p.m. Now, that will affect ticket sales. I mean, not everybody in America can just walk away from work at 1.30 p.m. on a Friday. No, but 2,700 people in Lincoln – We'll probably find a way to do that, you know, yeah. and, and that was one of the things that came out of yesterday, too, that I thought was interesting. A, a Nebraska spokesman said there's the possibility that they might move some of those Friday start times back, move them to later on. Now that fans are back, you know, go more traditional, you know, maybe a 6 p.m. first pitch or a 7 p.m. first pitch to, to get, be able to fill that all out. Because like you said, it's not going to be that easy every Friday to, to get 2,700 there. So, yeah, it would not shock me if, you know. Over these over the next few home series, if you saw those start times get moved back a little bit, especially for Fridays. Okay, then football. We do have a Zoom session availability with football on Monday. When, hey, Parker. Now, this is the kind of things I should know, and I don't. When's the actual first practice? Yeah, Tuesday. 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 I think it's technically practice number one. I mean, they're back. They're back um, this weekend, more or less. You know, this this. This week that we're going through currently was sort of an off week after the end of uh, winter conditioning. And then um, and then I think they have it's not a practice, um, but they they have, I don't know, meetings or whatever. They have some sort of loose activity on Monday. Practice number one is on Tuesday. So next week they practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And then from there on, they're in sort of a loose Monday, Wednesday, Friday setup um, through the rest of April. I think that we, as a media, sometimes we sort of, we kind of uh, regard spring football a little loosely, but I don't think coaches do, and I don't think they can. And I, I think in Nebraska's case specifically, if you're a Nebraska fan, you hope they're very dialed in because this is a, I think this, I think, we all agree this is a critical time for Frost program, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, it's interesting because every – it's kind of – I feel like when any college football coach will tell you that every year is a critical year, right? I mean, you're 
you're either going to be really good or you're trying to get better. Um, you're, you're always trying to get better. But I think when you feel like a program is at a tipping point one way or the other, um, every step of the way through a year feels a little bit more, uh, there's, a, there's a higher degree of urgency along with it, which is why, of course, I regard my job with an extreme sense of urgency every day, Sybil. Um, right, yeah. But, but, but honestly, Good. though, like it, it is a big spring and, and there's a lot to sort out. And the other thing that I just find... I mean, I, I find this stuff endlessly interesting as it is, and that's I guess, probably um, why I do this for a living. But I think that there's a lot. It's so interesting to me. There are a ton of guys on this roster that this is going to be the, their first normal spring in college football, either because they're among the 13 um, scholarship players and handful of walk-ons um, that are here as mid-year enrollees and just started in the program, or they're among the, you know, 40 plus guys that were first year players in the program last year who had their first spring interrupted or arrived in the summer. So like out of 170 guys that are on the roster right now, I would say, I mean, I'm not, not great at math, but I would bet um, a third or more, maybe upwards of a third of the roster has never been 55. Yeah. 55. Yeah. 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 Going through spring for the first time. So, um, you know, that's a huge, it's not a third, but, but a quarter maybe of the roster um, has never done this before. So it's, it, it's that part of it is interesting too, because there's a lot of development that's going to happen in the next five weeks and Nebraska needs it to is the bottom line. You know, it'd be nice. I, and now, well, we should add before we go on, the conversation always starts, I think, with Nebraska. They have nine starters back on defense. Um, they have a, a three-year starter, quarterback, and then it goes from there. What I would really like to see – now, th- th- I, I do miss this. Um, I, I, I would not appeal to Frost on this, but it, it would be nice if we could go over and watch spring practice and get a really good look at Marquis' step and a good look at uh, Samori Ture. Um, some of the newcomers that they're really going to rely, I'd say rely hard on. Um, We won't get a good look at them or Omar Manning. I mean, Omar Manning, we haven't really seen, you know, Um, there was a time like, so I think some people wonder why can't you guys go watch them? Well, we're not allowed to. We have been in the past at times and I really, I I really wish we could, Um, but you take what you can get and we'll just have to try to get a feel um, as we go here. But those yeah, guys are critical. It's, it's the general plan and, and everything's subject to change, obviously. But the general plan is that there might be a couple of days when we get to go over there for a half hour or something at the beginning of practice. You don't always, I mean, that, that's always interesting. I always find it useful. Um, you're not going to draw a lot of sweeping conclusions out of you know, walk-ons and some one-on-one drill or, or walk-throughs at the beginning and, and stretching and some one-on-one drills, but it's still a worthwhile endeavor. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of, like you say, simple. I think the defense, obviously there's a lot of starters back um, on offense that you're going to rely on some new playmakers, um, the guys you mentioned. So let me say this, let me, let me ask it to you this way. If you had to come up with two or three things that you're really interested to see, you know, whether it's on the first day of spring or things that you think we might know 
let's put it this way. When we get to the end of spring ball, what are two or three things that we don't know right now that you think we might have a better handle on after the spring game? Well, two things that come to mind are two or three things that come to mind. Offensive evolution. I wonder if Frost's offense will evolve a little bit more toward a running game that might resemble the way they did it at Oregon when they had the big running back. Royce Uh, Freeman. Yeah, Royce Freeman. Now, see, why do I say that? Because they got a running back that's built like Royce Freeman. That looks like a that looks like Royce Freeman, um, and you know last year you wondered at times why they weren't running the ball more. For instance, against Minnesota, um, and you know they have what you, you think they have a pretty good offensive line. They have have a big, good tight end room, and usually when you hear that, um, you think okay, this team is probably getting ready to run it. Um, now, I don't know, so we'll see how that evolves. The other thing that that has to evolve is the special teams. Now, I don't know what exactly what we would learn in a spring-like setting, except that, you know, they'll nail down the punter um, position and the kicker and all that. I don't, and, and, you know, we'll get a better idea of actually who's running the special teams, right? which I believe to be Bill Bush, who doesn't have the name. He's not, He's not, he doesn't have the title of special teams assistant or what, what do you call it? Parker? Analyst. Analyst. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, he's running it. I, I just, I just wonder how Frost will address that whole thing. You know, yeah. those are two things. Um, and I just kind of, I'm, I'm interested in, in just the general posture of Eric Chenander and the defense. Is this a, is this a program that will, sort of embrace the notion of leaning hard on the defense. Cause that's not what we were. That's not what it was like when frost came in. Right. Yeah. Um, so th- those are the things that are sort of on my mind. Baz, what do you, th- what do you think? What do you, what do you want to learn this spring? Oh, I don't think it's any different than, you know, a lot of the stuff that you guys have said already, you know, what's, what are those skill positions going to look like at, at running back and receiver? What's Samari Ture going to look like and Marquis step. You know, what's the what's the defensive backfield going to look like uh, with those top end guys? Have they taken another step forward? You know, it's just what is, you know, what does Adrian Martinez look like? When yeah. You know, yeah, I didn't even mention that. I mean, yeah. the quarterback situation. Yeah. What's what obviously what kind of progress has Adrian made? What kind of what does the guy that's going to back him up look like? Because we haven't really seen we really haven't seen him yet. And Parker mentioned this already just with the, the lack of spring ball. Last year, we never got a chance to see Logan Smothers uh, do do much of anything. So I'm interested to see all those things, really. And, and again, like Parker said, you don't maybe get a whole lot out of, of what you see in the spring. But at the same time, you can at least kind of form some ideas going into the summer of what it might look like, you know, come fall. I think there's yeah. one thing that's worth stressing with Logan Smothers, too. Like, he, he's been on campus now for 14 months. So it's not like the coaching staff has no idea what they have in him. Yeah. But really, with the way that last year was so disjointed, there's not like the coaching staff probably doesn't know exactly what they have with Logan Smothers just from like a physical standpoint at this point. Like once they got back last summer and were preparing for a season like they we we heard from Mario Verduzco about this, like Mario had enough work on his plate getting two quarterbacks in position 
to play regularly in Martinez and Luke McCaffrey. Like there are just are were not very many reps to go around, you know, for, for Logan Smothers to operate with anything resembling the top, you know, anything but the scout team basically. And it's not like in a regular week of game week practice, like Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco are not lording over the scout team and watching in detail about how that stuff goes. It's just, that's just not how it works. They're getting ready, you know, they're game planning and getting ready for a game. So I'm, I'm very curious what, I mean, Logan Smothers has, he's a really young guy and he's got years of football in front of him at the college level, but it's a critical spring for him because I think he can, he has the opportunity to open eyes, not only for people like us, which what does that matter, but the, but for his coaches and teammates too, to show that, yeah, look, you can, I'm, I can be the number two guy and oh, yeah. we don't need to go get another guy to come in, in the event that Adrian Martinez misses time. So there's a lot, there's a lot in front of Logan Smothers for being a young guy this spring. Um, and then similarly, not to be on too much of a young guy track here, but I do think that spring is one of the times where we, we sort of talk about young players and new players more, but man, there's a lot of young players on defense that might not necessarily have starting roles this year, but that I think it'll be interesting to see where they're at. Some of whom missed time last year with injury um, guys like uh, Blaze Gunnerson and Jamari Butler at outside linebacker as, as, as freshmen guys like um, Braxton Clark, who's a little bit older at corner or, um, you know, Javen Wright and Miles Farmer, what, what do their roles look like? What positions are they playing? You know, Javen Wright's a guy that could be a safety. He could be an outside linebacker. Shoot, when he came in at first, he was listed as a corner. So, um, you know, he's a guy, he said the other day on Twitter, he's six, four and a half and 210 pounds. I mean, that's a guy who they're, they're going to try to figure out, you know, are we ready to put him on the field? Um, had an MCL injury last year and missed the whole year. Um, but by all accounts was playing really well in camp when he got hurt. So to me, there's a lot of like, there's, there's questions to answer that are really going to matter on Saturdays beginning right away on August 28th. Who are your best five on the offensive line? Who starts at corner opposite Cam Taylor Britt? Who's the number two quarterback? What is the running back? Like these are tangible position battles that, that need to be solved. They have, five months to solve. Those. Oh, listen, the, the, like I said, there, there has to be urgency. I think, I mean, the good coaching staffs of this world have a very good handle on who their starters are coming out of spring. Yeah. If you don't, then you're probably not doing your job correctly. Listen to Nick Saban over here, <laughs> but the, the, I, I do think they need to solve that. I don't think you want a lot of loose ends that way. The quarterback thing now, Parker, what are the chances that they will – I mean, what do you think they have to see in order not to look for a quarterback in a transfer portal at the end of spring? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, to me, like, you want and, – and I don't think – we do this sometimes where it's like, you know, Heinrich Harburg from, from Kearney Catholic, like, because he was – because – you know, we in the media see him as a little bit more of a project and because he played in class C1 in Nebraska and all that, I think we just write off right away. We have this habit of sort of writing off any possibility that he's ready to play a role as a freshman. We shouldn't do that. I'm not, I don't know anything that nobody else knows or anything like that, but just, I think what they need to see is that they have at least one of those two guys, Logan Smothers or Heinrich Harburg is a legitimate 
number two option behind Adrian Martinez. And in their heart of hearts, do they feel like they could get through a game um, with Matt Masker, who's going to be in his fourth year now in the program, um, walk on from Carney if they really need to? Like, do you believe, I mean, in, in a way, the answer is, you know, do you, if Adrian Martinez was down for a couple of weeks and you had Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg and, and Matt Masker, like, do you believe that you could go out and beat Purdue or beat Minnesota, beat who's in front of you? Obviously, you know, is Matt Masker going to beat Ohio State? Maybe not, you know, but um, the can, can you compete with those guys? And can you find, can you, are you good enough as a program uh, to win a game or two without Adrian Martinez if you have to? Because, you know, that's been, Adrian's played through a lot and he's played in most football games that Nebraska's played, but he's missed a little bit of time in each of his three years. So um, they got to feel good that they can go out there and, and not be, um, not be doing a disservice to the rest of the roster by what the options behind Adrian Martinez look like. And if they say, yeah, we can make it, then they might go for it. I keep saying urgency, but there's urgency. This is year four. Uh, Frost has not had a winning season. People now are looking at this like, okay, I mean, at the very least, you need to be in a bowl game. I mean, it's pretty much come down to that. We're in a, we're we're now at a time where you want to. There has to be results, tangible results. Um, you okay, Bazzi? Yeah, I just dropped my phone. We're good. Um, and I think that that makes it. That I mean, that makes the spring interesting. That makes everything interesting to me. Yep. I mean, this is not. It's it's the conversations gotten more serious. And so back to the quarterback thing, it's not, you know, they have to look at that very seriously. If, if Adrian goes down, which he does every year, um, are you prepared to win games with the backup? Because now you have to win games. It's not just this a cute little story. We have this Logan Smothers guy and, you know, let's see how it goes. No, let's, it, it can't be that anymore. Right. It's got to be Logan Smothers. Is he ready to beat good Big Ten teams? And that's, you know, that's the, the conversation just feels more real all the way around to me. It's interesting because it's interesting because if you like, then the next part of that conversation, though, is if not. Who are you going to add in the transfer portal that is going to be I mean, if you're going to add a quarterback in the transfer portal, simple, like if they get to that point after the spring, you have to at least give that guy you have to at least say to him, like, hey, look. If you beat Adrian Martinez, great. You'll start, you know, like you can't, I've seen, like I've seen people say, oh, they need to thread this needle where it's like a guy who's not, you know, he's not going to start. He's okay with being a backup, but, but like that, that player doesn't necessarily like, what are the, what are the chances that you're going to find a player who's cool with not starting? That's fine. I'll be the backup, but gives you a better chance of beating those same big 10 teams than Logan Smothers does. Right. No, it's a good point. So what I think what where this conversation naturally winds to is this. This is a big spring for Logan Smothers. Yeah. They, I, I guarantee what they want is for him to show that we can beat anybody in the Big Ten with you. That's what that's what they're looking for probably every day. Right. Yeah. 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 That, and and Harbor, too, to some degree. I mean, Harbor, you know, like uh, Adrian Martinez arrived on the same at the same time as Heinrich Harburg on the calendar and started week one, you know, 
he walked out there against Akron before that game got called off, and then he played well against Colorado the next week. It can be done. It can be done. And you don't need Harburg to win the starting job, but you want those young guys to show that, hey, you know what? Yeah, you have a lot of development ahead of you. You're going to get a lot better. But if we really needed to, we could get through a game, you know, with you playing. Well, isn't there some pressure too, you know, with those guys being ready on, on your public image, like how you recruit guys. Like if, if, if you're going out and getting a transfer guy, you're basically saying those guys aren't ready. And then aren't people going to say, well, why, why are they here if they're not ready to, to step in and play right away at the most important position on the field, you know? So yeah, there's, there's, there's some, there's interest certainly in what those guys look like, but I think there's interest too, just from the, the public image of, well, are these guys recruiting the right guys? I, I like you said, Parker. Adrian Martinez has obviously been really good for a lot of the time since he's been here, and that was a recruiting win for Nebraska. But you know, what have what have they done otherwise uh, in in recruiting at the quarterback position? You know, you look at at the little bit of a revolving door that they've had there, and some of the guys that have played, and that's no knock on those guys, but it is what it is. You know, they they, they haven't been able to find somebody that's better than Adrian Martinez, you know? So it's, I think there's some of that too, is if you guys are recruiting the right guys that should show up and those guys should be ready to go by this fall. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. They've had five quarterbacks leave since Frost was hired, um, you know, and since Adrian got to campus. Now, not all of them, they didn't recruit all of them. Patrick O'Brien uh, left during spring ball that first year. And then Jebby, Tristan Jebby left right before, um, and then Andrew Bunch left and Noah Vedrill left and Luke McCaffrey left. So, you know, that's what that happens to some degree. Like Adrian Martinez has held down the starting job for the most part, except for those couple of games um, last fall where, where McCaffrey took over. Um, but, you know, if you have an entrenched starter, you're going to run off other options. That's, that's life at, at quarterback these days, but it's just, it's one of the reasons why I think, we, we, t- we fo- I mean, I think fans focus on quarterback a lot. We focus on quarterback a lot. But one of the things to just sort of like pivot this conversation a little bit, I've been going through the last couple of weeks and doing sort of like position by position, look at the roster. And one of the things that I keep thinking to myself is, you know, there's, there's definitely some, some positions where there's a lot of questions like running back and, and wide receiver. But by and large, I mean, especially on defense – um, you go through the, these, these lists and you look at the guys they've got and you think, yeah, they should be pretty, they should be pretty yeah. solid. Like the, the, the overall level of talent on this roster is like, they're built to compete now you know, they're yeah. going to be young in some spots. They're going to need some new guys to contribute in some spots, but this is a team that should compete in the big 10 West. And so they really can't fail the quarterback question this, this spring and summer, because if you, you can have the rest of it, but if you don't have a quarterback, it's going to be awfully hard to, to make ends meet in the Big Ten. Yeah, by the way, both Moose and Frost have said we have what it takes to compete yep. for the West Division, and that should be the case this year. And, again, all the conversations kind of start right there. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, it's got to – a lot of this falls on Adrian's shoulder as it usually does – Adrian's shoulders as it usually does, but I – I think they've done a good job of putting more pieces around him. I've, I've cut Adrian yeah. a lot of slack because they haven't had enough around him. They've had to lean too hard on that position. Yeah. Sometimes they lean hard on it anyway. Um, but I think they've had to because, because they haven't had enough around him. That's why Step and Toure are important. That's why Xavier Betts is important. That's why Fadoni getting here is important. Um, 
And that's why the offensive line improvement's important. They got to take pressure off Adrian and whoever backups are. That offensive line conversation is an interesting one. And maybe we could, well, I'm sure over the month of April, we'll touch on a lot of different areas, but I find it very, I find the offensive line very interesting because I, I think they have a chance. They have a chance to be better than they were in 2020. And they, it wasn't great. It was inconsistent um, in 2020. There were times when they looked really good times when they didn't get a lot of push, obviously Cam Jurgens had snapping issues on and off sort of through the season, but I think that maybe we're not giving quite enough uh, credence to the fact that there's, you know, 95 starts and 118 games played uh, that are no longer on the roster with Brett between Brennan Hymas, Matt Farniak and Bo Wilson. Like no one, I'm not going to sit here and say like, man, Bo Wilson, what a critical loss. No, but he played a lot of football in Nebraska and Brendan Hymas was the left tackle for the better part of four years. So there's a three full years after he started his career right tackle. So there, that's an awful lot of snaps, an awful lot of um, playing time and, and a lot of wisdom that's left that room. And it's not to say that they can't like meet or exceed the level that they were at last year because they, the, the program, they really like the talent they have in that room, but it's no sure thing that they're going to roll out there and, you know, Turner Corcoran and whoever starts at right guard are just immediately going to be big upgrades over Brendan Hymas and Matt Barniak. They might, they might be, and they might be in time, but I don't think that's a guarantee on the first day of spring ball or on August 28th. Nope. Um, so, Hey, who, nope. who is, is, nope. as far as the punter position goes, is that Daniel Cherney? Is that, is that what that's, is that what I think that's they, gonna look like there? Yeah, he's healthy now. Um, he's healthy now. I missed all of last season with a leg injury. I think you'd have to consider him the favorite to win the job uh, over Will Pristup. I mean, he's the only scholarship specialist on the roster. Like they gave him a scholarship last year for a reason, and the only reason he didn't play probably was because he got hurt um, during camp. Now, like Connor Colt, probably going to be a scholarship player by the time yeah. the season rolls around. Like that, that, they usually do that in the summer. Um, he earned it. Probably, I mean, he was the Big Ten's place kicker of the year last year. Um, but yeah, I would think that you would see Daniel Cherney, the, the freshman from Australia, um, win the punting job, you know, over the course of the offseason. You know what I you know what I'd pay a lot of money to do right now? And I mean what? I mean this. Um I if 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 one of the Nebraska officials could set me up with a one-on-one interview with Bill Bush. And and ask him what he sees, what he sees on film of last year's special teams. What were the problems? What does he have to fix? How big of a job does he have? Because the special teams part of this is gigantic. I mean, if they yeah, can they were be, bad. La- it was bad last year. Yeah, if they can be good on defense and special teams, that gives your offense a little wiggle room. Um, you can't if you're good in two of the three areas. You might you, there might be enough there to, to challenge for the West. But if you're if you're only good in one of the areas, forget it. I mean, you're you're you're, you're looking at four and eight, five and seven, something in that range. So whoever's in charge of special teams, and it's Bill Bush, I would love to. I would just love to get in his head about what. I mean, they hired him, and he had he he went to work immediately. I mean, he's there at 6 a.m. You know he's doing stuff. He's looking at film. He's trying to determine what needed to be fixed and who's going to help him do it. 
so I'd, I'd love to know that. I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, they don't typically line you up with analysts. Um, but that, that would be great. I'd love to know that. I'd well, love, I'd, I'd, love I'd advise you against paying for access. You should just use your, you should just use your considerable sort of social capital, your heft in that regard as a local column to make it happen. <laughs> Baz, you got anything yes. to say about my heft? I have nothing to say about your heft that you, that I would tell you to your face. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I guess pain for interviews. That's yeah. That's not the best idea. Yeah. We try and we try our best not to do that. That's not very professional either. If there's any student journalists out there to sort of disregard. Yeah. Don't do that. We don't, we don't, don't do, do that. We don't do that. We're not, we're not but, condoning. But, but to, to all the students, I mean, money is just make a lot of money. Oh. And you know what that means? It's that easy, guys. What's don't that? Don't do this. Don't do this. Well, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, there's, th- I mean, I don't I mean know Stephen A. Smith, Stephen A. Smith would tell you, yeah, do, do, do what I'm doing. You know, Stephen oh, okay. A. Smith. Yeah. I'll I know who Stephen A. Smith is. Yes. Yeah. You too. Could be a student journalist and then make eight million dollars a year firing off hot takes at ESPN. Hot yep. takes, it's just, it's just that easy. Hot takes, hot takes. Do we have I any more it. hot takes? Any more heat, or should we wrap this baby up? Um, I um, I I think we get that's enough for now. I think yeah. I, we don't want to go overboard. You know, we do not want to go overboard. You don't want to give the people too much. Yeah, <laughs> there's a sweet spot. There's a, there's sweet, a sweet spot. I think we're in it right now. I revel, think okay. revel in this and then come back for more now. Has, has that young Hoiberg called you yet, Bass? Am I still on the Zoom call? <laughs> All right, it was a dumb question. <laughs> I just right, did it for posterity, though, so he we'll hasn't talk, called. We'll, we'll really break down the Sam Hoiberg signing next week on the podcast. Until then, thanks for listening.